All right, good morning. Um, Advent, Advent is probably my, my favorite time at BC. I mean, obviously, I love, I love all, all of our time at BC, but, but I especially like Advent, um, and I've been looking forward to it, I think, even more this year than, than years past. Part of that is because we've been in Hosea, uh, and, and you, know, you, you know how that's been, and so it's, it's nice to be like, hey, let's talk about something happy for a while. Um, but also, like, it's just been a, a stressful and busy season for me, and so I'm, I'm thankful for the rhythm of Advent, that it's a time where, where we as a church intentionally slow down and focus on Jesus. Because if, if we don't intentionally do that, then we'll just, you know, go through the busyness of Christmas season like we go through the busyness of every other season, and it'll be gone before we even know it was here. And so it, it, it takes... Uh, focus, intentional focus for us to, to slow down and reorient our hearts, recenter our hearts on Jesus so that we don't get distracted and end up focusing on lesser things during this time. And so uh, this year for Advent, what we're going to do is we're going to go through the traditional Advent themes. We've done that sometimes in the past, and so we'll be talking about hope, peace, joy, and love. And so today uh, I'm going to be talking about about hope. Next week, Dan Ware is going to talk about peace in our new building. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, Ben is going to talk about joy, and then Daniel Miller is going to talk about love. And so for today, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to read the first five verses from Romans chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, they'll be on the slides behind me. Again, that's Romans 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word that, that you inspired these five verses of Romans to be, to be written down so that we could, could benefit from them and learn from them you know, a, a couple thousand years later. Um, and we pray that you would, you would send your spirit to help us together this morning as a church to, to learn from, to, to benefit from, to be, to be challenged by and, and convicted by your word this morning. That uh, this reminder of what Christ has accomplished on our behalf uh, would, would have its intended effect in us. Father, I pray that, that we would leave here a, a more hopeful people than when we came in. That, that you would use the, the truth of your word, the, the good news of your word to, to unburden our hearts and minds. I mean, help us to, to draw closer to Jesus this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on our behalf. We thank you that we, we have been justified by faith in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, <clears throat> really, in these, these five verses we just read, we actually have kind of 
all the Advent themes together. Paul talks about the, the hope of the glory of God. He talks about peace, peace through Jesus. He talks about rejoicing in hope and then rejoicing in suffering. And he talks about God's love being poured into our hearts. But today, we're just going to focus on hope. And so that's what we're, we're going to be primarily interested in as we work through this passage. And so there's going to be things you're going to say, hey, why didn't, why didn't you talk about that thing? I didn't talk about that thing because we're focused on hope this morning. So Paul starts this chapter, chapter 5, with the word therefore. And the reason why he does that is because he's telling us, hey, everything I'm about to say is connected to everything that he's already said. And so in, in chapters 1 through 4, he's been talking about how God's people, both before Jesus and after Jesus, are saved by, by grace through faith. They're saved by, by putting their trust in God. Those in the past were looking forward to the fulfillment of God's promise. Those after Jesus Jesus looked back on the reality that Jesus has fulfilled those promises. And he sums it all up at the beginning of chapter 5 by saying, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. That's what he's been talking about in chapters 1 through 4. The reality that in order to have salvation, we need to be justified by faith. And then what he's going to do... In these verses, he's going to give us three results from that justification. So we have justification by faith. If we, if we trust it in Christ, here are three results. The first one is we have peace with God. And there's a lot we could talk about here, but, but Dan's going to talk about peace next week. So today, just know that because of what Christ has done, because we've been justified in him, we've been moved from being enemies of God to being his, his children, to being people that he, he loves. We've been justified, and because we've been justified, we now have peace with God because of Jesus. So that's the first result of our justification. We have peace with God. The second result of our justification is that Paul says, "...through him we have also obtained access by faith." into this grace in which we stand. So through Jesus, we have access into this grace, and then we, we stand in that grace. And what we need to know about these, these two words here, uh, these two verbs, the, the have obtained access and, and the stand, is that the, the way Paul constructs these words is intentional, and it, it describes a state that, that believers, those justified by faith, uh, exist in. And so if you think about a light switch, so like out in the hall on the other side of this wall is a, is a circuit breaker box. And those circuit breakers, specifically numbers one, two, and three, turn these lights on and off. So right now, circuit breaker one and circuit breaker three are in the state of being on. Circuit breaker two is off. That's why these lights up here aren't on. And so if someone were to go out there right now and, and flip those breakers, it would change the state of the lights in this room. In the same way, when we've been justified by Jesus, when we put our faith in him and we trust in him and God considers us right in his sight, he, he doesn't count our sins against us anymore and instead he counts Jesus' righteousness for us. When we get justified, we move into this state of, of having obtained access and standing in grace. And the good news about that is that that's a state that doesn't change. Once God flips that light switch on, we stay in that position. We continue to have that standing, not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. He, he moves us into a place where we stand in grace. And that doesn't go away. That's the, the second result of justification. As we move into this place where we have standing, we have access to God, and we stand in grace. The third result of us being justified by faith is Paul says, we rejoice 
in hope in the glory of God. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So earlier in Romans, in chapter 1, Paul talks about how, how people, they exchange the glory of God for, for a lie. We, we worship created things instead of the creator. We turn to idolatry, so we exchange God's glory. And then in chapter 3, he talks about how everyone has, has fallen short of God's glory because of sin. But now in chapter 5, now that we've been justified by faith, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. God. And so the word here, rejoice, it could also be translated as, as boast. Paul uses that to, 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 to mean that in other places. We, we boldly celebrate this hope that we have because of God's glory. And so what then does the hope of the glory of God mean? If we're supposed to rejoice in this because of the justification we have, then we need to understand what the, the hope of the glory of God is so that we can rejoice in it. And so hope is, is future-oriented longing towards something that's, that's, that's not, not realized yet. So it's, it's looking into the future and saying, I'm excited about that thing that is, has yet to come. Specifically in Scripture, hope is, is looking forward to the fulfillment of God's promises. God said, this thing is going to happen. I want that thing to happen. And so I'm going to look forward to that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to long for that. I'm going to put my hope in the reality that God is a God who keeps his promises. And so the promise here that our hope is supposed to long for, we're supposed to rejoice in this hope that's longing for this thing that's yet to come, is the, the glory of God. And specifically here, it seems like Paul is talking about the glorification of God's people. So Romans 8.30 says this. It says, And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So again, we're focused on hope, so just ignore that word that starts with a P. We're not going to talk about that today. If you have questions, we can talk about that some other time. Instead, we're focused on hope, and in order to understand what we're supposed to hope in, we need to understand what the glory of God means in Romans 5, and it seems like he's talking about what he's talking about in Romans 8. The reality that our, our justification in Christ leads to our glorification in Christ. The glorification here refers to when we as believers will be made fully new. When, when God takes everything that's broken in us, everything that, that's, that's fallen in us, everything that, that, that is unwell in us and, and makes us whole, makes us new, restores us, makes us like exactly who he wants us to be and less like who we were before Jesus. This is something that's not going to happen here. It's going to happen in the new heavens and the new earth where, where everything that's broken will be made whole, where, where everything sad will come untrue, where, where all sin and death and sorrow and suffering and pain and grief and, and everything that is bad and broken about this world will be done away with. That's what's going to happen when we're glorified. And Paul says that believers who have been justified will be glorified. And in fact, in, in 830, that verse we just read, he, he talks about it in the past tense. He's saying it's, it's so certain that it's going to happen that it's almost as if it's already happened. We're, we've already been justified. And because we've already been justified, we will be glorified. 
So Paul is saying, and back in Romans 5, he's saying that we rejoice in that hope. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, that the God is going to glorify us, that we will be made new, that this world will get fixed, that everything that's broken about it will be broken no more. When we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, we're celebrating, we're rejoicing, and we're, we're boasting in the reality of the good things that our God has in store for us as his people because of Jesus. But Paul keeps talking in verse 3. He says the hope of the glory of God isn't the only thing we rejoice in. We also rejoice in something else. Specifically, he says we rejoice in our sufferings. Now that doesn't make sense to me. Right? When we think about all the good things that are coming, absolutely, I want to rejoice in those. But I don't want to rejoice in my suffering. Why, why, why would Paul say that we rejoice in our sufferings? Well, let's look at what he says. He says, suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. So Paul says we rejoice in our sufferings because they lead to hope too. Suffering gives us more endurance. It gives us more, more stamina in the fight of faith. And, and that leads to character growth. And more growth in our character leads to more hope. And so, so why does that, that chain of endurance, growth, and character, and character growth lead to hope? I think that Paul says this because he knows that, that when we grow, even when we grow through suffering, that it, it reminds us of the reality that God really is working in us. That, that, that things in us are actually getting better even when they feel like they're at their worst. Reminds us that God actually is transforming us, even if, it's, even if it's painfully slow, even if we wish it was faster, even if we're not growing in the ways we wish we were growing. The fact that we go through suffering and we see that God is growing us leads to more hope because we know that he who began a good work in us will carry it to completion. So when we suffer, It leads to hope because we see in the midst of our suffering and especially on the other side of it that God is at work in us. That we really have been justified. Because we know that we've been justified, we have hope and trust that we will be glorified. And Paul says our hope does not put us to shame. He says we're not going to be let down by it. We're not going to be let down by, by putting our hope in God's promises. He says, because specifically, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So our hope won't be put to shame because God has poured his love into us. He's put his spirit in us. He's already, he's already given us the, the down payment of that future promise. And because that reality exists within us, because we have God's love in us, we know that our, our hope isn't going to fall short. We know it's not going to be put to shame. We have this assurance that God is going to carry it through. First Peter 3.15 says that, uh, that as, as Christians, as believers, we should 
always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is in us. And I think that as, as Christians, we've often overcomplicated that verse. And it gets used to, to say things like, oh, you know, like we should be, be trained in apologetics and, and ready to, to debate atheists. And like, that's, that's, that's probably good. You know, like get, sure, get some apologetics training. But, but I don't think that's what 1 Peter 3.15 is saying. I think he's saying we should be ready in every situation to give an answer to the hope that's in us. And I think in Romans 5, Paul gives us the answer to that. The reason for our hope is that we've been justified in Jesus. My my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I don't need elaborate philosophical arguments to give an answer for the hope that I have. What I need is the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for me. I need one line from a song. The reality is that we have hope because we've been justified. We have hope because we've been moved out of this standing where we have no grace, where we have no access to God, to having access to him, to being one of his children and no longer one of his enemies. We, We now have peace. We now have hope because of Jesus and what he's done for us. Our hope results from our justification. So because of that, we should be hopeful people, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of trying times, even in the midst of a a busy and stressful season. We should be the most hopeful people around. And when people ask us for the reason for our hope, all that we have to say is Jesus. Right? We have to tell them the good news of who he is and what he's done for us. We have hope because we have a Savior who came for us, who, who came down here, who took on flesh, who became like us, who entered into our life situation so that he could redeem us, so that he could bring us back, so that he could pay our penalty and purchase our pardon, so that he could rise again in our place to, to bring us along with him into a new kind of life. The reality is that our hope won't be put to shame because it's not primarily based on us. It's not primarily dependent upon us. It's based on Jesus and what he's done for us. And so this Advent, despite everything outside telling you something different, don't put your hope in lesser things. I don't think, you know, if I, if I just get that thing that's on my list. Or if I can just get through, you know, Christmas without an argument with my in-laws. Or if I can just, you know, the the kids behave over Christmas break. Don't put your hope in something other than Jesus because that will put you to shame. That will disappoint you. That will let you down. Instead, look to Jesus. Jesus. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Knowing that even though everything's not right right now, it will be one day because of him and what he's done for us. Let's pray.
Jesus, we thank you that because of who you are and what you've done for us, we can be made right with you by grace through faith. We can have peace with God. We can have access. We can live in grace. That we can rejoice in hope of the glory of God, knowing that the work you've began in us will be brought to completion. That we will, and, and this world will be fully made new. I pray that you would help us in the midst of, of living with our own brokenness and the brokenness of others and, and the brokenness of this world. That, that you would remind us of the hope we have in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.